That's coming up April the 8th, and there's a lot of information in your bulletin about that, flyers and everything you can hear or see or understand. There's ladies outside these center doors selling tickets for that. It's a simulcast. You're not here live, but it's a simulcast joining with a lot of churches in the area as well as around the country that are going to be involved in that. So it's a great opportunity for you ladies to really connect and grow in Christ and connect with one another. So you don't want to miss out on that. But all that information is in your bulletin. Make sure you read it carefully. How many of you are here on Wednesday night for David Pendleton? Do you enjoy it? Huh? I don't remember the last time I laughed that much or that hard. I actually laughed just as much watching the kids laugh. I got a lot of voices in my head. They don't always come out. I told you before that I could probably drive in the HOV lane by myself. I've got so many voices in my head. But man, when that guy had all those voices in his head come out in such a phenomenal way, thank you for being here. We blew them away as far as our participation. They expected four. They were hoping for two and expected four and about 650 people showed up. So thank you for supporting them so well. We've got some amazing things that we think we're going to be able to do in the fall with them. So you'll be hearing about that. I don't want to let that out of the bag right now. But we've got some great stuff coming up with Family Life Network 88.7. So a lot of other information in your bulletin. Easter events coming up on Good Friday night, 7 o'clock communion. It is our April communion. That's going to be here in our sanctuary, a little bit different than we normally serve communion. So you want to be here for that. And then Easter Sunday morning, 8, 9.30 and 11. And we'll try to keep them about 55 minutes for the turnaround time on that so that you can come in and out. The 8, 30, 8 o'clock service won't have child care. The other two children's ministries, as always, at those two services. So invite some friends. It's a great opportunity for them to hear the Word of God in a really profound way. Uh, music and, and the Word and the power that it has and the resurrection of Christ is something that you'll want to make sure that you invite some friends to, so do that. I do probably want to tell you that the 9.30 service will most likely be the fullest of the three. It is the optimum time. Uh, everybody loves come in, get out, they can go to Sunday dinner, so uh, I just want you to know that. So if you can come at 8, if you don't have kids or a family connection and can come at 8, that would probably help us with the crowd. A lot of other information in your bulletin, make sure you read it carefully so you'll know what's taking place. I don't know how you're still here after that song. <laughs> I mean, I'd have thought by now we'd have been in heaven. Wait till the end, because we'll probably get there and go. We're just going to end in a really profound way. If you didn't know anything about me, now, if you've been here for a while, obviously you know a little bit about me, but if you didn't know anything about me, and I invited you to my office, <laughs> you would at least say, oh, he likes to shoe stuff. <laughs> if you were to walk around, there's not a lot of pictures, but if you were to walk around my office, you would see a lot of other things. There are people now that after 21 and a half years here at Community Alliance Church walk into my office and say, it's kind of like a museum. I mean, there's stuff from everywhere. I've been all over the world. God has blessed us in phenomenal ways with six continents and 20 countries. So there are little things from all over the world, from missionaries that have brought things back with me. So if you were to walk around my office, you were to get to know some things about me. If this weren't a Sunday, I would probably be dressed a little bit different. If this were Monday or a Saturday, especially like Friday afternoon when God says, I'm going to shine on you and give you a 70-degree day in the middle of March, I would be in my Harley or on my Harley. You'd say, oh, okay, likes to be outside or likes Harley Davidson's. If you were to come to my house, you would know I love green and yellow John Deere, not Farmall or International or Case or anything else like that. John Deere, and you know that's just a part of who he is, and he's a good old country boy. If you've been here for a long time, you already know I'm a good old country boy. 
and you were to spend more time with me, you'd get to know me a little bit better. If you were to take the time to walk through the pages of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you would get to know the Son of God really well. And what fascinates me about that statement is he said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. If you spend time with me, if you see me, you've seen the Father. So if you ever wanted to know what God looks like or what God is like, which is one of those profound questions that we've always had since the beginning of time, Jesus said, look at me, watch me. Watch me in Matthew and Mark and Luke and John. Watch how I interact with people who are desperately looking for the answers of life. He would never be arrogant enough to say, see how I can draw a crowd, ever at all. But boy, could he draw a crowd. And everywhere he went, people followed him. And if you were to walk with him long enough or be with him for a while, you would notice in your sermon notes that he can really see things in people. See things that maybe no one else has seen. And then you all of a sudden find out, not only can he see things that no one else can see, he can read our minds. And i got to be honest with you, flat out honest with you, that's one of the scariest things about God that I know. That he can read our minds and he knows everything about us. And so last Sunday morning as we began to talk about a heart for God or a, it's a matter of the heart, we began to look at what he was looking for in people. And you watched how he responded to the Pharisees who seemed like everything was from the outside and everything was show like that chocolate Easter bunny that I had up here last Sunday morning, but on the inside hollow and empty and if the pressure of the world pushed against it, it collapsed and there was nothing there. And last Sunday morning I asked you to do me a mental favor. And that was to be in a position where you could hook yourself up to the Word of God and allow that to be able to be a real good read on your heart. One of the verses that's in your sermon notes, if you have them, take them out. They're from last Sunday morning, and we're going to pick up where we left off. But one of the verses we talked about, it says in Chronicles, for the Eyes of the Lord range throughout the whole earth, strengthening those whose hearts are fully committed to him. So when God looks at your heart, what does he see? The doctor will use a number of things to examine your heart. Most of the time, they'll just use a stethoscope to see if it's beating. Sometimes they can go like this. I said to Donna Lear this morning, she's a nurse, I said, every time I do this, I think, oh my goodness, I died. Now, wait a minute, I didn't die, but I can't feel it. So I, I go here, and years ago I had a heart issue, and so every once in a while it'll reoccur. There's some scar tissue that does that, and so every once in a while, especially on a Sunday morning when I know I'm going to stand up and speak for God on behalf of all of our people, and in front of you it gets a little out of kilter a little while. And so every once in a while somebody from the side will see me going like this. And, it, and I know it's beaten. I can feel it pretty God, good, and every once in a while it kind of rushes pretty fast, or, and then it goes again. And that's literally what it does. And, and, and so I, I know it's working. So you can do that. You can do this. Whatever it takes. You get on a treadmill when you go to the doctor and say, I, I got a lot of stress in my life. I feel like I've got some tingling and some pain. Uh, I got shortness of breath and all those things. And they'll do a number of exams. And maybe they'll put you on a treadmill and then hook you up to an EKG. And he'll run that thing as fast as he can to see if you can keep up. Most of us at our age, depending on your age, would fail the thing. Even if we had a good heart, 
because we're not used to running or we're not used to putting it at that pace. What I asked you to do last Sunday morning is I borrowed this from a doctor, and I won't tell you which one because not a whole lot of people can walk into a doctor's office and take out their machines. So I don't want to put them in an awkward spot, but I've got a gracious relationship with some doctors in town, and they allow me to use this EKG machine. And I, I, I want you to use this as an example of if I were to take these number of electrodes and kind of hook them up to you compared to the Word of God and examine your heart for God, what would I see? What would it show? What would it reveal? And so last Sunday morning, we talked about a number of things that kind of show all of that, a real, genuine heart for God. And so we looked at my response to the stresses of life, how I handle it. Do I collapse? Do I explode? Last Sunday morning, last Sunday night, I had the privilege of talking to 34 people who are in serious relationships. Some of them are engaged. Some of them are real serious about that. And, and, and I love the fact that those who were really serious came because now they know what to look for to mate. And I thought that was even more valuable than those who are, who are already engaged because most of the time when you get engaged, you've already picked the venue, the dress is half paid for, the food you've already eaten, and you're pretty much headed down that track. And so I love the fact that they backed up enough to say, okay, what does it take to have a great relationship? And one of the things I talked about was the ability to handle conflict. Whether you're an exploder or an imploder, whether or not you just wail out everything and then all of a sudden everybody gets caught in the wake and once the toothpaste is squeezed out, you can't put it back in a tube. Or are you a repressor where everything gets stuffed down inside and then all of a sudden something else triggers it, has nothing to do with that thing at the moment, but all that junk that's been stored up in there just lashes out or you cave in. Because you really don't have anything else inside to hold it together. We've all been in science class, whether you failed or passed, but you all remember those things where if there's enough pressure on the inside pushing on the outside and equal to both ends of that, it's not going to cave in or explode as long as they're matched. And so God says, I want to come and live in you. I want you to be able to handle all the stresses of life. I want to take control of your heart. I want you to trust in me, believe in me, not worry about life, not worry about what the next day holds or all of that stuff. Every day has enough worry of its own. So take care of today. It doesn't mean you don't plan. I plan, you plan. But I'm trusting him with all of this stuff that's spinning around me day after day after day. I said to a friend of mine, he said, hey, you didn't even notice I was there. I said, dude, you have any idea how many plates I got spinning like that guy in the circus who's just spinning plate after plate after plate. And he said, well, you better slow down. I said, that ship's already sailed, bud. So how do you handle the stresses of life? Secondly, my commitment, my loyalty. Do I really trust him? Am I really committed to him no matter what? Do I give in to get along or do I stand up for my convictions? And that piece alone, I'm absolutely certain, is going to be tested on a regular basis where you work, where you live, and the society in which we find ourselves in right now. Your commitment to Christ is going to be tested in the next five to ten years like it's never been tested before in your journey. So do I give in to get along? Or do I really stand up for my convictions, whatever those convictions may be? Hopefully you've gained them from the Word of God in a relationship with Jesus. And I stay committed to Him. My priority list, number three, what's really important your kids are looking for what's important. They want to know where to set their boundaries, where to set their values, what's important in life. And they're going to look at that from you or find that from you. Number four, what do we do with our resources? 
Matthew, Scripture, you'll notice that Jesus talked four times more about our resources than on faith and prayer because he knew that our heart would follow our money. Remember that old line from whatever movie that was in, Follow the Money? I don't even know what movie it was in because I don't watch movies that much, but it, that's exactly it. He knew that 2,000 years ago. He said, I'm just telling you, your heart's going to follow what you invest in. And if I were to watch your investments, if I were to look at where your heart is, I could be able to tell what you put your resources in. If I look at your resources, I can tell you where your heart is. Because I'm telling you, one's going to follow the other. Number five, our thought life. Number five, our thought life. The mind is the ultimate in personal privacy. The mind is the ultimate in personal privacy. And as a result, we tend to be very much ourselves in our minds. So how do you do in regards to that electrode being hooked up? When Christ looks at your, th your thought life, what does he see? What does he notice about you in regards to your thought life? Thoughts of revenge, jealousy, lust, hatred, anger can have full range in our minds without anyone knowing it. Right? Smiling on the outside. Angry on the inside. Everything looks fine on the outside. A lot of junk going on on the inside. We can have full range in our minds without anyone knowing it except God. He's all-knowing. Jesus said that our thought life is a reflection of a heart condition. On numerous occasions, you see him reading the minds. He knows exactly what's going on inside. Proverbs 23, 7. For as a man thinketh, so is he. As you think in your mind, eventually at some point, you're going to respond to that. You're going to act on what it is that you're mauling on, whatever is going on in your mind. One of the things we talked about months ago when we were in that series in Ephesians in regards to strongholds, those strongholds in our mind we allow to remain, strongholds of anger and bitterness and lust and resentment or whatever that may be, we allow that stronghold to remain there. And no one sees it but God, but we allow that to remain there, the enemy's going to use that every single day of our life to eventually get us to act on what it is that we're thinking. And it doesn't take you long to look around at the world that we live in and recognize that people will at some point, if they allow something to remain, will act on what their mind has been processing. And then they'll do whatever that behavior is. Number six, many times what you think what you think comes out in our words. <clears throat> Many times what we think comes out in our words. Matthew chapter 12, verse 34. NIV says this, For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. English Standard Version says this, For out of the abundance or overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Out of the abundance or overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. That's where our heart really shows itself. How we respond to people, how we respond to life, how we react in stressful circumstances. James 3, I think it's in your sermon notes. I'm not going to take time today. I think in the fall we're probably going to get to the book of James. We've done it one other time in my ministry time here. And I'd love to do it one more time. James 3 is one of the best sections of scripture in regards to the mouth or to the tongue. Probably better than any other section of scripture. James says, I want to be really honest with you. I don't get it. How do you steer a ship, a huge ship, not a, a boat or a canoe, but a huge ship 
with a little rudder in the back. How do you guard or guide that ship and take it anywhere you want it to go and you can't control that little three or four inch piece of flesh inside your head? How is that? How is it that we can control a thousand pound horse with a bit in its mouth and we can't control that little three inch piece of flesh that's inside our mouth? Years ago when I was much more younger, <laughs> let's just say that, I, used, I loved to ride horses. Now it's the iron horse. Because it doesn't buck, it, it, you know, it just, you're able to, it just, your leg, my legs and my kidneys can't take anymore what I used to be able to do with riding horses. I had a friend named John who was in countersport, and I'm, literally, the guy reminded me of John Wayne. I thought, how appropriate, the guy's name is John. And John had a farm, I'd go out to his farm every once in a while and ride horses with he and Dave, his son. Dave and I were good friends, we've been good friends, actually, every once in a while, Dave still will show up here and uh, kind of check us out and enjoy our relationship together and, and and Dave said to me one day you got to ride dad's horse Joe and I said okay why oh you just got to see this horse to believe it this horse would eat the bottom out of his feeding trough I mean not only ate the feed in the trough he would every two every year twice a year they'd have to replace the bottom of the trough because he was so intense so powerful he would just eat the bottom of the trough out and John was the only one that could handle Joe and Dave said to me one day, out of all the horses you ride, you got to one time in your life ride Joe. And I'm going, I'm good. No, I'm good. No, you got to do this once in your life. So one day I decide, this is the day. I'm in my, my late 30s, early 40s. That's when you were stupid enough to do everything or anything. And so I went out and I said, okay, today's the day I'm going to ride Joe. And it's one of the most powerful horses, literally. I've been on dozens and dozens of horses through the years. One of the most powerful horses I've ever owned in all my life. And I thought, how unbelievable, amazing it is that you could control Joe with all of that power and all of that intensity with a pull this way and a pull that way or a pull this way with a five or six inch piece of steel. Because really, he could just spit it out and go on his merry way without me. And then I read this section of scripture and James says, I don't get it. How in the world can we do that? Control a big ship and a powerful horse. But this little thing inside of us goes crazy every once in a while. How is it that we can praise God with our songs and curse people who are made in his image? James says, it just doesn't make sense. When we come here on Sunday morning, we have the opportunity to give praise and adoration to the God of the universe. And that song that we sang a moment ago, The Great I Am, we're all in it. We're there. We're singing. God's hearing our praise. Our mouths are moving and we're giving Him adoration. And the worst thing that we can do after that kind of experience is going, what kind of shirt was that he had on this morning? Or why did he play, you know, or walk out and say things about people or circumstances or situations? James says that this doesn't make sense that we can come here and give praise to Almighty God and rip people apart with our tongue. Not that any of you do. I'm just saying, James says, I, I don't get that. So one of the indicators of my heart condition is not always this, although we'll talk about that at the end. 
It is how I am out there with the words that I speak. (laughs) If you've been in church for a long period of time, you've been around enough to know that sometimes people have the nerve to water down gossip and say, I'm sharing a prayer concern. And you want to share your prayer concerns. But sometimes it's kind of like this mask over the other with I'm sharing a prayer concern, but really I want you to know the junk that's going on in their life. When we criticize and complain or sarcastic all the time about everything, our hearts are showing. The Bible said if you have something against your brother, go to him, not someone else. If you have something against him, go to him. The tongue can build up or tear down faster than a construction or a demolition crew. That old saying, sticks and stones will break my bones, but names will never hurt me, is a lie. Because sometimes they destroy more than sticks and stones. You've heard the phrase that our actions sometimes speaks louder than our words? Then you're in electrode number seven, our actions. One of the things that Jesus kept pointing about, out about the Pharisees was the fact that they would be saying one thing but living in the other. And it ties into what we've just been saying. They would be saying one thing but then living another. Practice what you preach would be a modern day charge in that area. But even Jesus' disciples had a hard time in, in that arena. He would say things to them and they would say, I, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. And then they would many times do the opposite Peter said, Jesus, I'll follow you no matter what the cost. But when it came time to stand up for Jesus, his action was louder than his words. And I'm sure it's happened with me at times. I'm sure it happened maybe with you at times. James 2 is another section of Scripture that says, faith without deeds is dead. If I don't see visibly your faith, then I'm not really sure if you have it. You may say you have it. I signed a card. I said a prayer. I accepted Jesus. But there's no evidence of that in the way we speak or the way we live our life, then that may be an opportunity for us to look inside and say, did I really allow Jesus to be the controller of my life? If it's not evident, if I don't see it, then did it really happen? And so James said, look, I want to be as honest with you as I know how. Faith without deeds and without evidence is dead. I believe in God. James said even demons believe in God. Matter of fact, they're more afraid of him or intimidated by him than you are. Because you live any way you want. So James says, I want to be honest with you. If indeed you have faith in Christ, it'll be evident. It'll be manifest. People will see and recognize that. They'll look at your life. The worst thing you can ever have anybody say at work is, I didn't know you were a Christian. You want them to see that. You want them to see there's something different about you. The beauty of our relationship with God, because people will come to us in the middle of all kinds of circumstances of life, and they'll know if they know enough about us to say, wow, it was fascinating how you handled that, or that person, or that situation, or that circumstance. And it gives you a great opportunity to say, well, let me tell you why or how. I follow Christ, and I found that even in the midst of the most difficult circumstances of life, he promised he would be with me. Matter of fact, he said, I'll walk with you even through the valley of the shadow of death. How in the world are you facing cancer? How are you dealing with that? Well, I know Jesus. And Jesus said, if he takes me from this world, I'll be with him forever for the rest of my life. So it's a win-win. He's with me now. He's with me forever. I get to be with him. Doesn't mean you say, well, whatever, or laissez-faire, 
or what will be will be, or it is what it is. It doesn't mean that at all. But it does mean I have a, an understanding of what it's like to have faith in God. So my circumstances are directed by him so that when people look at my life or look at your life, they'll say, fascinating how you respond to this or how you react or how you handle this circumstance or how you handle family. You know as well as I do, the best of times and worst of times are what? With family. <laughs> and how you handle that. And James says, I just want you to know that when you really do fully commit yourself to Christ, it's going to impact how you respond to the circumstances around you and the people around you. Because faith without that is really not faith. The story of the Good Samaritan is the one that Jesus uses, probably the most well-known of all of that. When he commended the actions of the Samaritan who saw someone in need and actually did something about it. The religious people, they knew all the right words. They knew what to say, but they walked right by. They never responded to real needs. Jesus said, look, if indeed you're a follower of mine, you'll go into life eyes wide open. doesn't mean you're going to handle every need or every circumstance or give $20 to everybody who walks by your path. doesn't mean that, but it does mean that you'll be aware and you'll recognize what's going on around you. And if you have the opportunity or you're in a place or a position where you can help you do that because you see them and the world and circumstances through his eyes. And so you're able to do that. So what you and I have to answer or ask ourselves is, do I do really good at spiritual talk on Sunday morning or when I'm around Christians? Or is it lived out on a daily basis? <laughs> if I were to ask your kids, they'd tell me the answer to that question. If we were to ask your kids, I, I guarantee you they'd tell me the answer to that question because they really are watching and they want to know. A heart condition shows itself in that context. Number eight, response to God's word. A heart shows itself in response to God's word. Luke chapter eight, again, one of the most well-known stories of Jesus. So when you walk with him through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you'll see some similarities in some of the things he talks about. And that sower going out, the farmer going out and kind of sowing seed everywhere along the way. And he uses that analogy and he talks about our heart being that good soil. Not that soil that's just kind of choked out with all the other issues of life. And I love Jesus for the moment, but when life gets tough, I walk away. Or something else comes and robs it. But the good soil is the one that's open, willing to listen, respond to the word of God, be obedient to it, and live by it. Every Sunday morning... We come in with one or, four, one or four things. We'll have a funnel, which means I take it in, which is awesome, but sometimes we keep it for ourselves. A reflector, we kind of push it off to somebody else. Boy, I'm glad he's here. I'm certain glad you're here because, boy, do you need to hear this. A steel block, a box that kind of ain't going to get to me. Go ahead, preacher. I ain't listening. It's fascinating when they show up, but not going to be impacted at all. And then a conduit. If you can think of a better word, I'd love to know what it is. But where you, you take it in and then you live it out. And so you're kind of a, a channel where it's being lived out of your life. A healthy heart. All of these machines will tell you whether or not you have a healthy heart. But a healthy heart here is one that hears God's word and begins to apply it to your life. Studies God's word. It uses it for a guide. Got answers to so many questions of life. It's unbelievable. You enjoy being in the Word of God. You be, you're shaped by the Word of God. You begin to memorize the Word of God. You apply the Word of God, and then you live it out, which obviously ties into all of these other things. 
You're shaped by the Word of God because you're in the Word of God. You begin to memorize the Word of God. And more importantly, you apply it and then you begin to live it out. Which obviously indicates that I've got to be in it to know what it says. When we do membership class, when I do weddings, when I do baby dedications and all of those kind of things, I will say to them, are you going to live by the Word of God? Well, there's an underlying assumption there. What is that? That I know what the Word of God says about lifestyle or my relationship with Kim or what I'm to do as a parent and all of those things. Finally, number nine, our heart condition reveals itself in our worship or our praise. In Matthew chapter 15, verse 8, Jesus, who was always confronting the Pharisees because they were the religious ones with all the answers, at least we're coming across that way, he said, look, I want to be really flat out honest with you. Your mouths are moving, but your hearts aren't in it. Your mouths are moving, but your hearts aren't in it. You're praising me with your lips, but just their hearts are far from me. That phrase that we use, lip service, kind of infers to somebody or something or someone who kind of does that. They're, they're there. They show up. They maybe uh, will sing a song, but their hearts really aren't in it. And sometimes I get it. I don't know the song or I don't care for that song as much as another one. So I get that part. I've been in church a long time, been singing in so much of a variety of songs, it's unbelievable in this wide spectrum. So I understand that part. But it's when we come to the point of giving praise and adoration or having the opportunity to do that, but we're just not connecting with God at all. And he, our response to those moments of time or those opportunities of time is a pretty good indicator of where our hearts are. So, if I were to put you on a treadmill, hook you up to one of these, put a stethoscope in my ears, and listen to you while you're running, I'd be able to know how your heart's doing. So as you kind of mentally hook yourself up to these things, how's your heart doing? Your commitment to Him, what you do with your time, your talents, and your treasures, how you respond to life, what comes out, usually what's inside, how you react to people, how you give praise and adoration to God. Our heart condition reveals itself in a lot of these areas. If you've got a weak heart condition, then you've got to shore it up, whatever that may be. And you've got some really good, or a really good platform in which to do that. If you want to know Jesus' heart condition, if you want to know Jesus' heart condition, you're going to find out about it in a couple of weeks because we're going to celebrate Easter and Good Friday. His heart was totally revealed on the cross of Calvary. When a soldier pierced his side, blood and water flowed out. Medically speaking, it was a result of a heart that literally was exploding and broken. God, I thank you for your amazing love for us and the opportunity we have to kind of look at our lives and our circumstances and our resources and all that you've entrusted into our care and how we respond to life and what comes out of our mouth and how we respond to people and how we respond to you and your word in a real, honest, genuine way. The Father, as we well beyond today begin to process what we've heard over the last couple of weeks, 
kind of hook ourselves up to the Word of God to see how well we're doing and how well our heart towards you is doing. I, I, I plead, Father, that your Spirit will speak loud and clear well beyond this moment and draw us in, encourage us to really move into a place where when it is a matter of the heart, we have a heart for God. Hear our praise and our adoration as we give to you just a small portion of how grateful we are for your amazing love for us on the cross. Would you stand and would you worship with us?